Uh, good to see you. Uh, turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 22, uh, the book of Luke chapter 22. I'm excited to be here. What a privilege. Um, Brother Jacobs noticed when I got here this morning, I, I had my own uh, bottle of water. I just can't do it, Brother Rob. Um, I got it. Years ago, 12, 12, 15 years ago, someone uh, put salt in my uh, water cup, and every time I preach here, I've just got a mental block. I cannot drink the water in the pulpit. I, I, I nearly, you know, I, I stopped by the gas station this morning. There's a guy out in the front lobby walking back and forth, talking to himself. And I'm like, okay, do I run my risk with a cup of water or the guy talking to himself? So I, I went in the store. Um, so I, I know that probably will never happen again, but there's just a mental block there that, of course, those of you who know me, because we've known for years you've had a mental block. So uh, that's nothing new. But, you know, Mitchell sang this song, Soldiers of Christ Arise. And I, I'd never heard that song. Obviously, I knew the tune. But, but as we, you know, as we sang that this morning, it, it just lines right up with the message. You know, stand in His great might with all His strength endued. Um, you know, the reality is we are in a battle. Okay? We are in a battle. And uh, the title of the message this morning, I'll give you the title, then pray, and I'll build it up a little bit. But the title of the message is, I'm Sick of Losing. I'm Sick of Losing. Um, I preached this last Sunday morning at, at our church, and just something the Lord's put on my heart. But, but I'm telling you, I am, I'm sick of losing. Okay, you'll, you'll see. Why are you a sore loser? You'll get it in just a minute, okay? But let's pray. Father, we love you. And as uh, Mitch and Sarah saying, we love you. You are worthy of our love and affection and adoration. You are a good and righteous and perfect God. I thank you for the blood of your Son that cleanses us from all sin. I thank you for the victory we have in Christ. I thank you for the working of your Holy Spirit. We ask that he would have free reign today, that, that he would stir every heart, stir the lost to salvation, stir the, the Christian to to, to communion and fellowship with you. God, just do the work that I can't do. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I, I, I know there are sports fans here, and uh, I, I think, I figured out during Sunday school, Christ is going to return in three and a half years from today. How do you know that? Because the abomination of desolation, a Michigan helmet on this pulpit... The abomination of desolation. After church, we need a new pulpit. This one is just scarred for life. Um, you know, it's three and a half years, Mitch, wherever you are, mark it down. It's, I'm like, I can't even believe that. When the pastor's away, uh, the, uh, the mice do play. Um, but you know, I, I am, I, I, I watch sports, I, I, I like sports, I play sports, and you know, the thing about, one thing I like, I like winning, you know, and, and, and I don't like losing. I coach Little League Baseball, and, and I've noticed in Little League, it's not the kids that are the problem. It's the coaches and the parents, okay? I mean, I, my 14-year-old son was, was umpiring a game for us this year, and, and uh, the other coach was yelling at him, Who paid him off? I'm like, 
Really? I'm like, my, my son's got more integrity in his thumbnail than you got in your entire body. You know, and I'm like, really? You're going to yell at my 14-year-old son? Because he's just trying out here because we can't get any, any other adults to do this? I mean, we had, we had one game where, uh, you know, we had, we had no umpire. You can't get umpires in Little League because of the stuff like that. But we had to get one of our moms. I, I wasn't there. It, was, uh, it fell during a church night. But they had to get one of our moms. And the other coach was yelling at her. You know, but but I, I hate losing. I, I hate losing. When I play, you say, well, you should play for the exercise and you should play for fun. Yes, but winning is fun. <laughs> now, you should try to have a good attitude when you lose. I understand that. And I want a, a Christian testimony when I lose. But I'd rather have a Christian testimony when I win. I, I, I just like to win. You know, and, and I hate losing, especially when you think you're going to win. Especially when you think you're going to win. I mean, if you, if you look at that game yesterday, I'm sure out of any experts, no one picked Michigan to win. No one. Um, number five ranked team in the nation, but still. I mean, Ohio State last week beat Michigan State 49 to nothing, and they were ranked high. I mean, just no one gave them a chance. And part of the disappointment for all the Ohio State fans is they were expected to win. You know, you're the number two ranked team nation. You're blowing everybody out, and you lost. I mean, listen, we are in a battle, and we have an enemy. You know, two months ago, I preached a church out of 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, where it says... That we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Mitch talked about that, or Second Corinthians two, not verse fourteen, but but talking about forgiveness. Mitch referenced that this morning and and says you've got to forgive that brother who's repentant and come back to church because we don't want Satan to get advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. And about two months ago or so, I, I preached a message about not being ignorant of Satan's devices. And I listed five things that Satan does. You say, why are you, why are you talking about this? Because, you know, two months ago I preached this, and two and a half, two, two and a half months later, Satan's still active. You know, the things that I, that we said is Satan, his devices is he divides, he deceives, he devours, he disorients, and he distorts. Those are the ways that Satan works. And there's more, but that's what I did. And then, when, when Satan devours, there, I had five things that he devours people, Christians, through one, temptation, through doubts, through pride, through discouragement, and through fear and anxiety. And, and Satan, you say, why do that? Because listen, two and a half months ago I preached this, and two and a half months later, he's still doing it. He didn't quit. You know, and we sing songs like, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Yet we're losing. We're losing. We're losing. You know, we, we claim 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ. If He always causes us to triumph in Christ, why are we losing so much? 
it's, it's, I don't want to say disheartening, but it's maybe irritating is the word. Because, you know, when you show up on the playground to play a pickup game of basketball and you got the seven foot two guy with you, you expect to win. You know, you expect to win. Yeah, I mean, in that analogy, Jesus Christ, he's our seven foot two guy on the, you know, on the, uh, on the playground. He's the one that gives us the advantage. He's the one that causes us to win. But if you never give the seven foot two guy the ball, you're never gonna win. If you don't let him take charge of the game, you're not going to win. Now, let, let's read this passage in Luke 22. And you're, you're familiar with this verse. Many of you are this passage. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both in the prison and the death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. I mean, listen to that. Jesus is giving Peter warning. He says, Peter, Satan's desired to have you. And that's an interesting uh, concept, interesting verse. I always consider, you know, Satan just, he had a desire. He, he wanted to sift Peter. But I looked up that word in the Greek, desire, and it means to demand. Demand. And, and automatically, my mind, I'm, I'm not, this is not, I'm not going to dogmatically say this, but my mind goes back to like Mitch referenced this morning with Job. Job coming to God and saying, or Satan coming to God and saying, well, Job, let me, you know, let me have him. Is it a similar situation? Peter, Satan's desired, Satan's demanded to, to, to have a chance at Peter. And, and Jesus is saying, you know, Satan's desired, he's demanded to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for thee that thy faith fell not. When you give in, when you, when you, when you fail... I'm praying for you that your faith will not fail, that you won't turn from me, that you won't lose faith. And when thou art converted, that word converted means to revert, to turn back. When you get back to where you should be, strengthen thy brethren. You know, I, I, I want to preach a message sometime about the tale of two failures, about Peter and Judas. You know, one failed, went out, wept bitterly, but ultimately was restored and preached Pentecost. 3,000 people were born again. The other failed and went out and hung himself. You know, everyone fails. But your failure doesn't have to determine your end. You know, so many times we, we, we fail and, and we think, well, we're done for. Well, we're not done. But, but, but Jesus, the Savior, gives Peter warning. And look what Peter said. Instead of saying, man, Jesus, the Lord, the Savior just told me that Satan's desired to have me and He wants to sift me. Man, I need to go out and pray. I need to, I need to fast. I need to make sure I'm right with God. What does He say? Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I've got that. I can handle this. I'm ready to go. Where you go, I'm going. You go to prison, I'm going with you. You go to die, I'm going with you. I'm ready. 
Well, if you read the narrative, he wasn't as ready as he thought he was. He, he wasn't as ready. He didn't heed the Lord's warning. Now turn over, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. This is interesting. I, you know, this is such a, a great passage. Verses uh, 8 and 9. But to me, it's, it's just so much more powerful when you read it right after that passage in Luke, because you realize in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, that Peter is speaking from personal experience. See, he says, he's telling the believers in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Be sober, be vigilant. I mean, Jesus was basically telling him, Peter, be sober. Satan's desired to have you. I'm ready. I got this. It's in the bag. And he's warning. You know, folks, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary is the devil. Look at the descriptions of, of Satan in here. I, I won't because we, sadly, we have conjured up ideas of, of the devil as the little guy in a red suit with horns and a little pointy tail and a pitchfork. The guy in the cartoons that he, he's kind of cute. And you say, man, Satan, that, Satan doesn't like that. I don't think he cares, honestly. Because if, if he can make himself seem harmless, I think he's okay with that. You say, well, well, wouldn't he want to be seen as, a, as the roaring lion, as, a, as the, the, the enemy? Listen, if you know who your enemy is, you're going, to, you're going to be prepared to attack them. But if you don't know who the enemy is, or where the enemy is, or you think the enemy is an angel of light, well, he is primed for ambush. He is primed to sneak attack you. He is primed to win. Listen, it's a lot easier to attack someone when they don't know you're coming. When they don't know you're there. When they don't know what you look like. But some things about Satan here. Three things. And then I want to look at some titles that we see of Satan. Because that that gives what he's doing. Then I want to get keys to victory. Okay? So it's not going to end negative. It's not going to end negative. But uh, first, it says he's our adversary. He is our enemy. Listen, he is someone who is against you. He's an adversary. If someone is an adversary, they are on the opposite side as you are. They want to see you lose. They want to see you destroyed. You say, well, well, pastor, I am, you know, I, I'm an old lady and I just, and I live by myself and I'm sweet and, and Satan's not going to attack me. He doesn't care. He doesn't have the senior discount. Um, you know, there's no uh, temptation. You know, you got the senior tax exempt cards. There's no uh, temptation exempt cards because you're senior. Oh, I'm 65 now. I got my, my temptation exempt card. Those don't exist. They don't exist. How could Satan attack my little old grandma? He's Satan. 
He's the adversary. He doesn't care. He's the adversary. He is against you. It says he's a roaring lion. That speaks of his strength, his rage, his malice, his cruelty. He'll destroy you any way he can. He'll destroy your family. He'll destroy your church. And I, I, was, I was talking to Pastor McGovern yesterday. I am seeing satanic attack in our church like I have never seen in the 16 years I've been there. Satan is attacking families. He is attacking uh, the minds of, of people. Uh, demonic things going on. Temptations. And, and I am sick as the pastor. I am sick of seeing it. I'm sick of losing. You know, I, I'm tired of losing. He's a roaring lion. It says he walks about seeking whom he may devour. He's vigilant. He's looking. Uh, he's persistent. But listen to some of the titles that the Bible gives about him. You see, you shouldn't preach messages like this because you are exalting Say, I'm not exalting, saying I'm, I'm, I want God's people to be aware of who the enemy is, what his tactics are, and where our victory lies. We, we, we don't want to preach this because it's not popular, it's not cool. It's, the, the, the preacher shouldn't be here to be cool. You know, he shouldn't be here to be popular or to be uh, liked. You should like your pastor, but, but he's here to preach truth. You should love him for that. Even if you don't like him, you should love him for preaching truth. And you have a pastor here that preaches truth. And I love your pastor, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And Satan, the first thing that says titles of Satan is he's a deceiver. He is a deceiver. John, John eight forty four says he's the father of lies. He is going to lie. He is lying to young people all the time. He's lying to, to husbands. He's lying to wives. He is, he is telling lies about what you can and can't do. And, and there, there's no effect. He is a liar. He is an accuser. In Revelation 12.10, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And listen, so he's going to come to deceive you. Then he's going to come to accuse you. He wants to bring guilt in your mind. Guilt in your heart. He wants Christians to live in guilt. And He wants to accuse your brethren to you. Those unfounded thoughts of accusation you have against the other brethren in the church, where do you think those come from? From the accuser of the brethren. And we feed those. Man, you know, you get a thought, man, Brother, Brother Jordan, he was doing this to me. You have no reason to think that. He's never never said that about you, never done anything to you. But that thought comes in and all of a sudden you're mad at Brother Jordan. And you're ready to punch Brother Jordan in the face because of what he might have said about you maybe. And we've given the accuser space. Trust me, I've been there. Done that. Got, got the t-shirt. It's a horrible place. He is accused. He brings guilt. He is the tempter. Matthew chapter 4. He, he came to tempt Jesus Christ. He came in a time of, weak, of physical weakness. He had fasted for 40 days. The first temptation was to turn these stones into bread. 
You've got to be careful in times of, of mental and physical weakness. But also, times of weakness are where God can work in us the most as well. Because in our weakness is His strength made perfect. If we'll yield our weakness to Him. But Satan's going to come in times of weakness and tempt you. He's going to tempt you. He's a roaring lion, as we just read. I, I think of intimidation. I think of fear. He, he wants us to, to, to be afraid. Not just of Him, but of anything. Listen, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? If Christ is with me, what do I truly have to be anxious and, and fearful of? He is a murderer. Uh, the Bible says in John eight forty four that he is a father and a murderer from the beginning. He's a murderer. Well, I'm, I'm not going to kill anyone. He can't kill me. Well, okay. But maybe he can kill relationships that you have. Maybe he can kill your relationship with God. If you're born again, he can't touch your, your spirit. Your spirit is sealed uh, by the Holy Ghost unto the day of redemption. He can't touch that. But he can kill your relationship with God. He can kill your effectiveness for the kingdom. He can kill your, your, uh, your, your hope and help within the uh, family of God. I mean, he is a murderer. Say, well, well how in the world can we get victory? How do we get victory? Number one is, is by being born again. By being born again. It says right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. In the faith. Your 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, To examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. You know, are you in the faith of Christ? Turn over to Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Listen, verse 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Listen, they over, how did they overcome Him? By the blood of the Lamb. If you have not been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if you have not been forgiven of your sins, if you have not passed from death unto life, you have no spiritual, legal right to claim victory over Satan. You, you are not going to overcome it. You are not going to overcome the powers of darkness because you are under the, in the bondage of sin. You are in darkness, the Bible says. Without Christ, you have no hope. The Bible says that before Christ in Romans 6, that we are servants to sin. Servant to sin. If, if sin is your servant, if you are a servant to sin, then it is your master. Your master has control over you. Before I was saved at 21 years old, I was a slave to sin. 
I had, I would want to stop. I, I, I might have uh, some guilt about it, but I can never get victory in my life over sin. I never had victory. I, I would always fail. Listen, you're never going to have a victory over the lies of Satan, the temptations of Satan, the guilt of Satan, the fear. Until you've been placed into the family of God by placing your trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. That is the only hope. You say, well, I'm a member of the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage. Great. But members of the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage go to hell if they are not in Jesus Christ. Deacons, preachers, pastors... If you're not if you're not saved, if you've never been transformed from the inside out, you are still lost. And you are still under the chains of darkness. And you have no hope. There's no hope outside of Christ. And there's no help outside of Christ. Ye must be born again. So if you're not saved, you say, Man, I just can't seem to have victory. Well, have you been saved? Have you been transformed from the inside out? If not, today is your day. If the Spirit of God, you say, well, I prayed a prayer when I was four. Or whatever. Yeah, I'm not talking about if you prayed a prayer, but have you placed your trust on Jesus Christ? Have you realized that you were a sinner? Have you realized, you know what? I am lost without God. I have no hope. I have no help. I have nothing to offer God. But I need everything that Christ has. I realize He died. He, he was buried and rose from the dead for my sins. And I want to place my trust in that to save me. I want to cry out to Him for mercy to deliver my soul and, and save me. Listen, then you need to come to Christ today and be born again. You must be born again. Now to the Christians. Now I understand, okay, I understand why lost people can't get victory. But as God's people. Those are the harder ones to swallow because we have victory. You say, Pastor, I've been born again. I have... I have, uh, I've, I've trusted Christ. I know He saved me. And, but I, I feel like I'm losing. How do we, what are keys to victory? Number one, salvation. Number two, by the Word of God. Look at verse 11. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And there's difference of opinions by commentators on what this means. Whether it's the spoken word of their testimony but I believe it is the, the Word of God which is our testimony. It is what we bear witness to. It is the Word of God that we, that we bear witness to. It is the Word of God that gives us our victory. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, He didn't tell you, well, this is what I've done. This is who I am. He said, it is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He said, it is written. Uh, it is written. Even with Satan twist, And Satan brought Scripture. He took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, you know, uh, jump off here. It is written. 
That he, he should give His angels charge over thee to keep thee. Listen, Satan knows some verses. And he'll twist Scripture. Listen, Psalm 91 is not talking about climbing to the top of the church building and jumping off. He said, what do you call that? That's called stupid. That's called... You say, is that, is that in the pastoral manual? Should you say that? Probably not. I don't read that manual very often. I, I'm not, I don't have much cooth. I've been working on it, but I'm just not there yet. But listen, it's not, that's not, well, God, I'm going to go drive, you know, 90 mile an hour down icy roads and your angels are going to just keep charge over me. Okay. But listen, that's talking about as I, and you read Psalm 91, that's talking about as a Christian lives in the will, a child of God lives in the will of God, there is divine protection over that person's life. And I believe that. As you walk in the will of God, as you walk in the secret place of the Most High, He'll he'll, uh, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But that's He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. But what about those that aren't dwelling in the secret place of the Most High? Then would it stand to reason that they're not under the shadow of the Almighty? Food for thought. But by the Word. By the Word. Let me turn to Matthew 4. There's something I wanted to bring out. Verse 8 says, Again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountains, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered. Listen to the word. Three times Jesus was tempted. Three times He countered with the Word of God. He didn't, he didn't say, well, this is who I am. This is what I've done. Of anyone who could have said, this is who I am. He was God in the flesh. But He said, it is written. But you know what I noticed? And this, this is so key. He says, as it is written... Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. He didn't just quote the Scripture. He obeyed the Scripture. Say, okay, listen. The Bible says, For him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It is not the things that you don't know that get you in trouble. We can stand and quote Scripture and quote Scripture, yet we're still falling into sin. We're still giving Satan place. I'm dealing, <coughs> excuse me, dealing with young people who've heard, you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Dealing with young people falling into immorality. Dealing with, with, with people who are, are having demonic attacks in their family. I'm dealing with these things and, and like the Word of God says... And we've heard it preached and heard it preached and heard it preached and we can quote the verses. But are we obeying the Word of God? Listen, is the Word of God your friend? 
But then, is it your guide? Is it your guide? Not only do you read it, not only should you read it and memorize it and meditate on it, but we should obey it. We've got to live it. Unapplied truth is unhelpful truth. I mean, you, you can have all the verses memorized, but if you don't live it, it's not going to help you. I mean, how, how many people will there be in hell that could quote, For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. They went to church as a kid. They know John 3.16 up here. But they never put it in practice and trusted Jesus to save them from their sins. They know the verse. I mean, how many Christians know the verses? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, we know it. But we're still letting the world dictate how we think. And we're giving in. And Satan's getting victory. How, how do we have victory? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. It's the word of God that gives us victory. But the word of God, has. there's another piece that has to uh, be there for the word of God. And that's the shield of faith. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. How, how, how do we get victory? By being saved. By the word of God. Number three, by the shield of faith. The shield of faith. You, many of you, we know this passage. Finally, my brethren, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, our battles are spiritual. Can I just say this? I, I don't know that there's an issue here, but there's no one sitting in these pews who is your enemy. Can I just say that? You're, they're not the bad guy. You know, you have no reason to attack them. They're not the enemy. And if you are attacking someone in here, you need to stop that. No one here is your enemy. We're on the same team. If you're born again, we're on the same team. We need to stop the friendly fire. I think that's an oxymoron, by the way. Yeah, because, listen, here's my rule, Greg. If you shoot me, we're no longer friends. If you put a bullet in me, we are not friends anymore. We might become friends again later, but there's no such thing to me as friendly fire. A bullet in me is a bullet in me. It's not friendly. Okay, gossip about me. It's, it's, it's a bullet. Um, you know, those things, they're, they're bullets, they're wounds. They're not friendly. No one in here is your enemy. We need to be praying for each other. Boy, we need to pray. You need to pray for these folks in here. Um, the shield of faith. Okay, anyway, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand there, therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, 
Again, the truth of the Word of God is what holds the rest of the garment together. You've got to have truth. It's the centerpiece. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes I think as Christians, we get caught up in this passage with the idea of the armor. And and we get caught up with the breastplate. And we get caught up with the shield. And we get caught up with the, the girdle of truth. And we get caught up with the helmet. But, but, but it's not that that we should get caught. It should be, it's the attributes of truth and of righteousness, both imputed righteousness of Christ and practical righteousness, purity that protects our heart. The righteousness is the breastplate that protects our heart. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, when you have God sanctified in your heart and you've got the God of peace in you, then you are prepared to take the gospel. When you've got the God of peace that gives you the peace of God, then you're prepared. Above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me, tell, let me read this and tell you what it doesn't say. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench most of the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. There is not a fiery dart that Satan can, can fire at us that we cannot overcome by faith in the person of God, the power of God, and the Word of God. But do we really, truly believe God? Do we really, truly believe that we have the victory in Christ? Do we really, truly believe that Satan is defeated? Do we believe what the Word of God says? You know, Hebrews 4.2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You know, Satan came to Eve. He said, Yea, hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree. He said, Yeah, we'll eat all the rest. But he said that that tree in the middle, we shall not eat nor touch it lest ye die. And Satan said, Ye shall not surely die. He, he, he shot a dart of a lie. Now, had she believed the word of God, she would have overcome that. If she would have believed God, this is, you know, God says, in the day that I eat thereof, I will surely die. I will die. He says, you're not going to die. But God said I would die. You know, God, God says, if I give in to this sin, that I'm going to break, that, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 6, uh, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, for, for um, whosoever soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You're not going to reap corruption. You're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy this. No, God says if you give in to your flesh, you, use it, you let it take control, you're going to have decay, rot, and corruption in your life. Well, I see other people doing it. You know, but we've got to believe God. We've got to believe God. So many Christians are struggling with doubts of their salvation because they don't feel saved and Satan comes and gets them because, they, because of their feelings. You can't trust your, 
Listen, it's not your feelings that give you the, the assurance of your salvation. You're, 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 it's got to be in the Word of God. It's got to be in the Word of God. The foundation of God standing sure, having this still, the Lord knoweth them that are His. God knows if you're His or not. Hey, and, and all the Father giveth Him shall come to him and, him, and Him that cometh will He in no wise cast out. John 6, 37. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans uh, 10, 13. You know, it, it's your security. Excuse me, in the Word of God, based on the promises of God. They're in there. But Christians are defeated by doubts because we don't believe them. Well, God didn't mean that for me. Well, who in the world did He mean it for? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You know, but do, you, do we believe it? How, how do we get victory? By salvation, by the Word of God, by the shield of faith, and lastly, by resisting. Resisting. I mean, I mean spiritually, too, too few Christians are resisting arrest of Satan. You know, we're, we're just going in, we're just letting him handcuff us, we're just letting him throw us in the, the demonic squad card and have victory in our families, in our lives, in our churches, and we're not fighting back. Well, Pastor, we shouldn't fight. That resisting, that sounds violent. Now, I'm, I'm not about violence. Listen, too many Christians, we fight each other, and we, we, but we don't resist the enemy. We resist the preaching of the Word of God. We, we resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But we don't resist Satan. You know, we're, we're resisting the wrong thing. You know, we've got to resist. He said in Peter, to resist steadfast in the faith. You know, I listen, as a child of God, let me just tell you this. Satan has no power over you but what you allow him. Get thee hence, Satan. It is written. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Get hence. Leave, leave me. Take your fear. Listen, so, some of us, we live in this thing of fear. But the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. If you're living in fear and anxiety, I can promise you that that, that spirit didn't originate from God. You need to take this thing. You say, hey, this spirit of fear, this is not of God. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives power and love and a sound mind, and I claim that. And I'm going to trust Him. Too many Christians are scared. We're fearful. Turn to James chapter 4. This is our last passage. James chapter 4. We'll do James 4, 4. We'll, we'll read down to verse 10. Do you think that this... No, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Spirit saith in vain, the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? 
Was it that spirit within us, the spirit of man, that natural man in me? It desires to envy. It envies the world. It envies things that I don't have. It wants to be like the world. See, you read the context. He's talking about us uh, being friends of the world. And, and letting our lusts and, and passions control us. He says, do you think it's vain that, that the Scripture teaches that our spirit lusts to envy? I mean, we, we don't by nature desire the right things. That, that's not, that shouldn't be a newsflash to any of us. You know, by, by nature, I don't desire the right things. My old man doesn't want to do right that news flashed. But you're the pastor. Yeah. And, and I'm made of the same stuff you are. Well, that's just discouraging. Verse 6. But he giveth more grace. More grace than what? More grace than, the, that, than what dwells in me to do evil. He gives me more grace. More temptation than Satan gives to draw me to evil. He gives me more grace to resist it. Amen. You know, there's more grace to overcome sin than there is temptation to give into it. There is more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. That's about, that's about sin, by the way, like uh, Brother Mitch talked about. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and He shall lift you up. Listen, we've got to start resisting Satan. We've got to start, you know, opposing him and standing fast in the faith. Resist him and in the faith. Not in our strength like we sing about. I don't have the power in me. But as I grow in the knowledge of God, as I grow closer to God, He strengthens me with might in the inner man as I walk with Him. How do I, how do, I do that? How do I resist Him? A couple things here, a couple keys. Number one, humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. You know, you realize, you know, I can't do this myself. Peter said, I'm ready! Maybe if Peter said, you know what? I can't do this. I'm not ready. I am flawed and, and weak. I need Christ. I need the Savior's power. You've got to humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. See, God gives grace to the, the humble. But what's God do to the proud? He resists the proud. Listen, Satan's your adversary, correct? Have we established that fact? Are we good with that? Satan's your... We're good? Okay. Well, what about this? What about when Satan's opposing you? He's against you. But you're walking in pride. Now, it says that God resisteth the proud. Let me ask you a question. Your flesh, we know, is automatically against you. The adversary's opposing you. But now, if I walk in my pride... God's resisting me. How in the world am I going to get victory? If my only help is now resisting me because I'm walking in my pride, 
Where in the world's my help coming from? Nowhere. I mean, there is no help. When I'm walking in my pride, my arrogance. I mean, Peter didn't stand a chance. Lord, I'm ready! But we think, you know, Satan can't get me. He can't get my family. I can toy with sin, I'll be okay. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't need... You know, family devotions, that's for the pastor and his family. I don't need to do that. My kid, I've got good kids. I said a lot of people. You know, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to submit to God. I believe that submission to God is the key to resisting the devil. Submitting your life, your will, your plans unto God. Place yourself under God's leading. Submission to God is key to resisting the devil. Are you, are you living according to God's will for your life? That's key. And lastly, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Listen, if you're living apart from God... If you're a child of God and you're living backslid, you're living because you, we want to be close to the world and, and we're, we're, we're just not right with God. I, I don't have much, much chance. See, Paul, Paul did not write in vain, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Listen, Satan wants to destroy you. Now, I know it's that maybe it's not Satan himself that's parked in your backyard trying to you know, burn your house down. But there are forces of darkness at work. There are. And ultimately, he's, he's in charge. So when I say that, I, maybe it's not, I don't know that Satan himself has ever attacked me. But I know there are demonic forces that do. They attack my mind. They want me to think wrong. They want me to get discouraged. Listen, that temptation on, Mon- on Sunday nights or Monday morning to quit the ministry and leave my church, where does that come from? It's not from God. I can tell you that. You have that? No, but I know pastors that do. Of course I have that. Of course I have that. I had one of those not too long ago where I just let Satan so seed the discouragement in my mind. And man, if, if, if I, there are certain times if, if, if a realtor called my house, you know, right when I let those seeds of discouragement get in there, hey, would you like to sell your house? Yep, we're out of here. I'd do it. I'd be gone. Why? Because the enemy puts those seeds of discouragement in. He wants me to get disheartened. You know what? Nobody, nobody's listening to what you say anyway. You know, they're, they're, they're texting while you're preaching. They don't care. You know, sometimes I want to... You know what? Sometimes I want to leave church during the middle of service just to go see what's going on in the bathrooms. You know, I'm like, man, there's more excitement going on in the bathrooms than, than uh, the preaching. I just want to go check it out. I mean, I understand you've got to go to the bathroom, you know, that's why they're there. But four times in the service? No, I understand health issues. Okay, so don't, don't uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, not make fun of anything. But 
But it's like we're, people are talking, we're texting, we're whatever, during the Word of God. And you say, well, pastor doesn't notice. He notices everything. You know what? And sometimes Satan's going to feed that. They don't really care. You know, they're not listening anyway. And if I listened to that, I'd quit. You shouldn't admit that. Probably not. Probably not. But you know what? I'm still going. Why? Because the grace of God gives me strength. You know, and I know I've got the victory. You know, and, and I hope you come back tonight. Uh, what time, sir? Five? Five o'clock? I want you to come back tonight because I want to speak to a different, something different, Lord willing. Out of the book of Joel. So, so if you've got time this afternoon, go in your concordance and find, or find where Joel is. So you're not having to look for it tonight. People, I'll say, go to the book of Joel and I watch people. They turn the front of their Bible. Oh yeah, page 267. Because no one ever preaches from the book of Joel. Listen, tonight, well, I, I don't want to give it away. But, but this morning, I just want to say, I'm sick of losing. I'm sick of Christians allowing the enemy to have victory. Listen, are you? We have, what, what burns me up about it all, I need to be done. What burns me up about it all is we do have the seven foot tall center on our team. We have the best player there is. We have the God of heaven on our side. We have victory guaranteed. But we forfeit it. That's the sad part. You know, church, I don't want to see this church destroyed. I don't want to see your pastor and his family destroyed. Well, that's Pastor McGovern. Satan could never get him. You know, we got Peter. You know, do you pray for your pastor? I hope you do. I hope you do. I love your pastor. I pray for him regularly. I hope you pray for him. You know, he needs it. More than you realize, he needs it. Can I just say this before I close? Dealing with you is not as easy as you think it is. Say, what has he told you? Nothing. Nothing. But I just know from a pastor that dealing with you is not as easy as we think it is. You know, we're not as lovable as we think. So pray for him. But listen, what's key to victory? Being saved. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Are you a friend of the Word of God? And is it your guide? What about the shield of faith? Do you take it up every day, believing God in His Word, trusting Him? And are you resisting Satan? If you're going to resist Satan, you've got to humble yourself before God. Submit yourself to His will and draw nigh to Him. Seek Him every day. Otherwise, we're going to keep losing. I don't want to see you losing. I don't want to see you losing. There's victory today. Would you claim it? And I'm not a name it, claim it, but I'm just taking a promise of God. We've got victory. You don't have to lose. You don't have to lose. Christian, your victory. And if you're lost today, would you put your trust in Christ? Would you call, would you repent and turn to Christ to save you today from your sins? Just call on Him in faith, believing the Word of God that He died, buried, and rose from the dead. And trust Him. Call on Him to save you today. And He will save you. Brother Jordan's going to come.
and Brother West. Great stuff there. You know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, if you're on that winning team, are you sick of losing? Do something about it. You know what I'm worried about more? We're not sick of losing. You know, we just don't care. We got become apathetic to it. So, if you have every head bowed, every eye closed, we'll go into time of invitation. You know, maybe you're here, and you know, as Brother Stafford was preaching, you know, throughout uh, words, born again, to be saved. Maybe you're here, you don't know, you know, that if you were to pass away, if you were to die, that heaven would be your home. I want to pray for you. You know, the Bible tells us, uh, uh, in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed on a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You know, we're, we're going to face the judgment. Revelations 20, 21, uh, 22, uh, chapters 21, chapters 22, tell us that those that are found guilty will be cast into the lake of fire. Um, God's, God demands perfection. And every single one of us are not perfect. And if we were to stand before that judgment, and we're not found perfect, we're going to be cast in that lake of fire. But you know, there was one that came who was perfect, Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, he came, he came to be that substitute for us. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.22 tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's Jesus Christ made sin for us. You know, he took our place. That we can have his righteousness, that verse tells us. And he'll take our sin upon himself. That's what he did for us. He came and he died on that cross for us. To take our substitutionary place. So that we would not have to spend eternity in hell. That we can be in heaven. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just simply just want to pray for you. If you do not know that for sure, that heaven is your home, would you just let me know by slipping up your hand just so I can pray for you? I'm just seeing some little children. That's all I'm seeing. Definitely going to pray for them. The Lord will save them when they get of age. Nobody. All right. Christian, the Lord's worked on your heart. Are you sick of losing? Why not come up here and uh, ask God to help you, strengthen you for that? Get in that battle. And most of all, are you sick of losing? Search your heart. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. I just pray for these little ones that raise their hand, Lord, that uh, Lord, when they come to an age of accountability, Lord, that they would accept you at the earliest possible time. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to uh, to serve you, stay in that battle, Lord, be, to be sick of losing, Lord, and just, uh, Lord, just to continue fighting, uh, Lord, to, uh, to overcome Satan in our lives. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You all stand and think. Page 571, and my exposure of the cross. The Lord's worked on your heart. <laughs>